0: Welcome to the Mosh Zone episode 65, week 65, volume 65, number fucking 65. Hey on guys, how's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Jake from Judiciary and that will be coming up later in the show. So as you guys are getting used to at this time of the show, I remind you about rating and reviewing, I remind you about our Spotify playlists. And I remind you about sharing the podcast. Now, a lot of this might come across as a broken record. You're like, well, I heard that last week. I heard that the week before. But it's really, really important. We need your help to grow this show. We need your help to get out to more listeners. There's only so much I can do on my own and your help is invaluable. So things like go onto to your podcast provider and like it, share it rate it, review it, whatever it is, get into that. That is vital to helping us. Share the podcast. Tell someone about the podcast on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter. Retweet it, share it, regram it, whatever it is. Help us out, spread the podcast to more people. The other thing is don't forget, if you're listening on Spotify or you use Spotify, check out our playlists We've got the Mosh Zone cranked and we've got the Mosh Zone guest list. Basically, guys, we need your help, as I said. So if you are helping out regularly, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, give us a minute of your time and help us grow this show. So that's all I wanted to say at the start there. We've got the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get on to the part of the show that we're all tuned in for. This week, I got to chat with Jake from Judiciary an absolute barnstorming hardcore band out of Texas, and one of my favourite young, talented bands going around at the moment. I was stoked to get the opportunity to chat to Jake. Thank you so much, Jake, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. That chat with Jake is coming up now. Um, So I always start off with, do you remember an artist or a band that kind of opened your ears to music being a thing and i don't necessarily mean a heavy band or a metal band or hardcore band but just music in general
1: um i mean when i was younger like my my mom and my dad were always like casual music fans like um like they never really like like music was never really a big part of their life but like my mom would play a bunch of like 80s music like a bunch of Michael Jackson and a bunch of Prince. And I remember really like listening to that like early on. And my dad was like a big classic rock guy. So he would listen to a bunch of Zeppelin. And like, I I remember when we were little or when I was little, like uh, riding around in his truck and he would be playing Stevie Ray Vaughan. And I, I I vividly remember hearing Texas flood for like the first time. And I loved it.
0: (laughs) So that was obviously your kind of start off with music. So, how did you start progressing into the heavier side of things? Was it something you were shown? Was it something you discovered?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think it, it started with, like, the whole classic rock thing. And, like, my – like I said, my dad would play, like, Steve Ray von and Zeppelin in the truck all the time. And uh, then I started getting into, like, the more modern, like, rock when I was, like, you know, in, like, in, like early middle school probably. I was, like, like you know, 11 or 12, however – however old you are then and uh i started getting into bands like uh like my first show was like popper roach and Ooh. stuff like that yeah and uh then uh i i started getting into i i got really into slipknot nice. and uh that really kind of like turned the switch of like oh i i really like this like like more aggressive type stuff and it kind of built off from there and i slowly like transition into hardcore from like slipknot i I got into like like deathcore and then i went into like metal more metalcore type stuff and then i started getting into hardcore eventually so
0: so so basically you were around the time when new metal was really kind of booming obviously if papa roach was your your first show and was it what was what about it that kind of drew you into it because you know for some people it's the fact that it's a bit aggressive Some people it's, you know, it kind of speaks to them about being a bit different and a bit of an outsider. Uh, What was it for you that kind of drew you in?
1: Um, I think it was like a mixture of all those things. Like, cause I mean, like, I think that the energy drew me in first of all, just cause like, I don't know. It was like, it was different than a lot of the stuff that I, I like grew up around. Cause like I didn't have any family or anything that was into that. And I went to, I went to a small school. Like I, I like, I went to the same school from kindergarten till I graduated high school. Wow. And, uh, my class was only like 40 people. Ooh. So they, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of like diversity there, but like I, uh, you know, like it, it, I, I live in Texas, so it's all like, it's a bunch of country music that's like shoved down your throat. I like country now, but I didn't back then. And, uh, like, you know, I, I think that just because it was different and like, the energy of it all really like drew me into it and then like i don't know i just kind of gravitated towards like that from there because you know eventually you find yourself it's like oh i'm kind of the only one into this music and then like the lyrics kind of start to speak to you more because you feel like you're an outsider as as corny as that sounds
0: no it uh, it is it is the reality i think you know especially new metal at that stage it spoke to a lot of people that were kind of felt like they were on the outside and if you're in a school that's that low in you know amount of students were you kind of the only alternative kid or were there one or two others that were a bit similar to you with you know the outlook and appearance and stuff
1: um there was one kid he was like he was like a really good friend of mine from like like seventh grade till like we graduated like he he kind of was the one that showed me like Slipknot and like we kind of went through that transition into heavier stuff together because he had a uh, he had an older brother that was in like a pop punk band but uh he like listened to a bunch of like like deathcore and like or like the late 2000s like metalcore like every time i die and shit like that so like he um yeah so like he he kind of fed off his older brother and then we kind of went through that together and uh yeah like i started my first band when i was like 14 with that kid he was the drummer And, um, yeah, we just kind of went from there. So
0: now being in a, being in a small school and being in Texas, I mean, a lot of the stereotypes of Texas is that, you know, it's, it's not just country, but it's very church based. Um, was listening to this kind of music or being known as a kid that listened to this kind of music, was it unfortunately creating even more of a barrier for you during your early years at school?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Cause it like, especially where we live in Texas. Like I live in Lubbock, which is basically just like the middle of like the nearest big, like Metro city is Dallas. And that's a six hour drive away. Fuck. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're pretty isolated out here. Like there's some like smaller towns, but it's like, it's right in the middle of the Bible belt. And it's a, it's a very conservative and Christian dominated area. It still is. Um, But uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. it, It came with like a certain stigma like around it you know like i remember when i was when i was like in early in like because i played football in middle school and high school and uh i remember i started wearing like i started wearing like all black and a bunch of like shirts with like skulls on it and like (laughs) like stuff like that and like i remember the coaches just like straight up telling me like what are you what what are you doing like why are you wearing that and uh like you know, it, it came with like certain stigma. I, I heard like, I heard like devil worshiper all the time and like all that stuff, which, you know, at the time was was not true at all. And like, you know, it was just like, it, it made me feel more far removed from like everybody. But at the same time, I kind of had like a, I had an understanding that it's like not everybody's going to get why I like this and that's fine.
0: Well, also, so. it would probably spur you on a bit because it means, well, if you're threatened by something that, is as simple as wearing a skull on a shirt, then maybe there's something more to this. And also probably a bit of the, Oh, well, fuck you. I'll do what I want.
1: Yeah. No, especially when I got older and like, I got out of like, you know, that, that, that small uh, town environment, like me and the, the drummer for judiciary, Austin, he went to that school too. He was a year younger than me. And, um, you know, like, We after we got out, it was like we you know we started judiciary and it's just like you know like even in high school we were still just kind of like fuck this like these people are like these people are kind of shitty and uh, then then you get out and you start like really meeting new people and traveling and like kind of start thinking for yourself and getting out of that bubble and then you start thinking about out about it and you're just like man that was a toxic environment (laughs) like yeah you know I. I remember in particular like a few instances of like just casual I mean it's still like like I said West Texas is like a very it's like there's a bubble around here and people think that they're safe for saying what they say and like I just remember like even from like teachers just casual casual racism thrown around and like like I remember like a uh, uh, one instance in particular of like a, a teacher calling a student like a like a homophobic slur as Whoa. a joke. Oh. Yeah, it was and like everybody laughed, and I was like, "Ah!" Uh, like you know, you start thinking back on it, and it's like it, I don't want to say it's like repressed, but it's like it definitely sticks out in my memory of just like how did I not think about that at the time?
0: Yeah, it's it, uh, there is unfortunately those places in in modern Western society that is still a bit backwards, um, especially in schools, and that they they kind of shape the opinion through this is what it should be what was it like with the family though i mean were they did you grow up in a very you know religious household if not you know how was their reaction still you know cuz if people think the music is satanic and devil worship what are your family thinking
1: i mean like so my like my my mom is is religious but she was never she's a very understanding person and she'll never just blindly go with the flow without like knowing what's going on, you know what I mean? Uh, my dad, you know, he's he uh he believes in God, but he's not very very religious either.
2: Uh, or
1: like so, it, it, they they kind of supported it. Like, my dad took me to like my first couple of shows because I was too young to go by myself, and like you know, he just kind of stood in the back and was like, Well, this is just what he likes, so I'll support it. <laughs> and uh, my mom would like take me, like, like let me get her like cards sometimes to order shirts i wanted online and so like she they like there would be times where it's just like well what are these bands like saying because i obviously i can't understand what they're saying can you show me the lyrics and there was like certain bands that i would let them see the lyrics to and certain ones i i wouldn't and uh (laughs) i would just show them all the good ones with the positive messages and they'll be like oh okay i get it but
0: (laughs) Yeah, show, show them like Hatebreed or something. Don't show them, you know, Cannibal Corpse.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna show them the lyrics to Icon Blood. <laughs> but I'll I'll show them the lyrics to Perseverance all day.
0: <laughs> so you're in school, and you mentioned you know you had an early band, or you had a couple of early bands, maybe. But was music a a career thing that you had in mind, like? what was going on in your head you know with what you wanted to do after school was music a thing or was that kind of a second thought
1: for you um I mean like I think that because it's like it 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 was kind of like a to me it was like almost like a pipe dream kind of thing because you know like I always loved doing music like I said I started my first band when I was like 14 and like my mom brought it up recently. I don't even remember this, but we were talking about it and she was just like, yeah, I remember when you were 12 years old, you said that that's what you wanted to do was like being a band. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. And uh, so, uh, I I guess it was like always an early thing in the back of my head that it's just like, I want to do that, but it seems unattainable because like, you know, I like, like I said, I'm from Lubbock, like Texas, nothing like, the only music that comes out of here and it's like a real sustainable thing is like country music and like other acts here and there. But like, there is never to my knowledge, there was never really like a heavy band that like toured heavy and like were signed to a record label or anything like that. So it almost seemed like, eh, well we're, we're from Lubbock. Uh, we're, we're from Lubbock. So it's like, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it'd be cool if it did. You know what I mean? So after, after school, I was just kind of like, well, I'll go to, I'll go to college and see what happens. You know what I mean?
0: Is that where you picked up? Cause I know you do design stuff on the side. Was that what you did in college or was, was your degree in something else?
1: Um, so I'm actually, I, I'm still working towards a degree. I have had to take some time off just to like get my life together with like band stuff and everything. But, uh, I, uh, my major is public relations Ooh and, uh, but with that degree, I, you know, there's a lot of cool electives that you can take. And I took like a, uh, a, a PR design and graphics elective. And basically all that class is, is learning Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign. And basically the, the professor was really, really cool. And like, we had a bunch of stuff coming up and I was just like, yeah, can I do this project? Like this project about my band? They're like, she was like, you can do all your projects about your band if you want to. So it kinda of started from there and I just kinda of started making promotional material for us and merch designs for us just because I was getting a grade in that class and I said I might as well use it. So then after that, like I, I learned like the basics and then I started trying to you know uh I, I thought might as well like promote myself and try to do designs for other people and make some extra money on the side. So
0: Oh wow. So obviously in a way you know, you're being a bit realistic and I think some people sometimes forget that is that you need to have a plan B because being in a band will last for a certain amount of time but nobody knows when it might end.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I, you know, like, I, I still have the mentality of just, like, you know, like, this could end tomorrow and, like, I, like, you know, obviously we've accomplished a lot and I'd be happy with it but i i have to i have to you know have like you said have a plan b to support myself and you know like that and we're we're not even to the point right now to where it's like it's really paying the bills or anything like that but you know it's uh it's uh it it, it is what it is and i know I, I know that like if we keep on working at it it might be that someday that full-time thing so
0: yeah. you. I mean, obviously you've got the passion for it and, you know, anyone that knows the band can hear that in the music as well. So let's come back to, you know, when the band kind of formed, you said you had the, the band in school that you started at 14, that, that band at that age, was it just about mucking around or did you think, I mean, looking back on it, anyone that starts a band at that age, probably think we're going to, we're going to hit the big time. Um Even at that age, you think that, you know, it's you know part of a weird thought as a teenager. What was the Mm -hmm. first band like for you guys? Was it just learning mistakes? Was it just about having fun?
1: Um, I think for me, it was really just kind of, kind of like coming into my own and learning like what I, yeah, like, I mean, I guess it was like a learning experience as far as mistakes go, what you should do and what you shouldn't do what really goes into, you know, like, just... Because I remember we when I was that age, I would toss around, like, we should tour and all that stuff. <laughs> and it's like, at that age, it's like, you don't really know what goes into a tour or how to book your own tour or anything like that. And Like I said, we didn't, like, there's not much going on for, like, heavy music here, so we didn't really have anybody to look up to and kind of give us guidance on how to do that. So it was really just, like you know, it, I I was in that band for like three years and it was really just like, it was fun. We did like some fun stuff. We played some bigger shows here in Lubbock and like, it was really just kind of like coming into my own and just being like, okay, like I, I, I can do this kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was a fun thing while it lasted. And then uh, I was also in another band uh, with the drummer for judiciary, Austin. Like I said, he went, he and I went to the same school And, uh, uh, the guitarist for judiciary Israel, I met him through one of my ex-girlfriends. They wanted to start a band. So it was like a, it was like a, like a, like a, like a metal, like a hardcore influence, like downtune, uh, metalcore band kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, (laughs) they needed a bassist. And I was like, I don't know how to do that, but I can turn down and try. (laughs) And so, so I, I faked playing bass for them for a while. And, uh, (laughs) It was, uh, it that was fun too. Cause I just like, that was something I didn't really have in, like all my eggs in that basket kind of thing. So I could just kind of have a fun with it. And then at the same time, like my, my high school band that I sang in and then the band that I played bass in with them kind of fizzled out. So me, Austin and Israel were just like, well, let's start writing some songs. Like let's, let's just have fun with it. And so it started. We originally we, because we all kind of like had the same uh, like transition into hardcore. We all came from like different backgrounds, but like we started getting into hardcore at the same time. And uh, originally, we wanted to get it, uh, have it be like a half heart kind of melodic type thing. Ooh. And we started writing stuff like that, and I think we wrote like one or two songs. And then, like in between writing those songs, we would just start like doing heavier like hardcore stuff because like we were in really into like the bands that were big at that time like like backtrack and hmm. you know uh, uh without speaking about what happened to them expire and like hmm. uh incendiary and all that stuff so like we just started writing those risks for fun and then we started realizing like hey this is like way cooler than the stuff we're actually trying to do so let's just pursue this and that's kind of what became judiciary
0: So kind of backtracking a little bit, but still in that, is vocally. You know, you mentioned in there that, you know, you took up a bass, but wasn't really playing bass. Um, Why did you want to be a vocalist? And when you decided on it, um, was it just kind of you gave it a go or did you look into, like, the Melissa Cross stuff or any of that? How would you go about discovering your vocal performance in a way?
1: So when I was like, like I said, like before I started the band when I was 14, like I I was already really into like, like just music in general. Like I would get like $20 a month for allowance or something like that. And I would go to like FYE or Hot Topic and like, like spend that 20 bucks on CDs every month. Um, So like I would just go and buy those CDs and then eventually I was just like, I like the way that guy sounds like at some point when I was like 13 or something. It's like I like the way that guy sounds. I'm gonna try to sound like that, and uh, like when I was like home alone, I would literally just turn my speakers up all the way and try to do what they were doing. I obviously fucked myself up a few times, and like, I, I it was real real trial and error of just like seeing what worked and what didn't. But eventually, I was just like, yeah, that's cool. And like, you know, like I always I always really was kind of like I guess captivated at a young age is a good way to say about like frontmen and stuff mm-hmm. like i always thought that like guitar was cool and all and, but like you know being being the guy that like people are listening to what they have to say was always like really cool to me and like you know like there's no when you think slipknot like a lot of people know like the names of the members but when you think slipknot a lot of people's first thought is like oh Corey taylor oh yeah like yeah. i thought that that was like cool you know and I, like not trying like i feel like it almost sounds narcissistic but it's like i kind of like being the center of attention sometimes and i thought that that was like i was like i i could do that and i think that i i could you know do it well so let's try this out so from a young age i was just always gravitated towards like the mic and everything like that so you Plus, meant... i just didn't have the patience to learn an instrument so. yeah
0: i think i think that's part of the reality as well people that can play an instrument i think hats off to them but i think it takes it really takes a lot of persistence a lot of um you know willingness to just grind at it now you mentioned in there like you you'd crank the stereo i love it you crank the stereo and just like scream along who who were those people that you kind of aspired to be like and aspired to sound like in a way who were your influences growing up obviously Corey taylor i think is obviously one of them
1: yeah when i was like when like i said when i was younger like Corey taylor was a big one but then as I started, like, you know, getting into different stuff, like, it, it always evolved. Like, when I was into Deathcore, like, like, when I was, like, 14, 15, like, I really looked up to, like, like, Whitechapel. Like, that was, like, Ooh. my favorite band for a while. And then, like, when I started getting into hardcore, like, I started, like, I, I had to, obviously, like, Corey, like, Corey Taylor and, like, the guy, what is his name, Phil, Phil from Whitechapel? Yeah, Phil, yeah. He, like. Uh, like, they don't sound like Scott from Terror. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so I I, uh, I, kind of, like, had to change myself up and just be like, okay, I kind of want to, like, do this style now. And I tried to learn that, too. So, like, I remember, like, Keepers of the Keepers of the Faith was, like, the first hardcore CD I ever bought. Ooh. And it was purely because, like I said, I would go to the Hot Topic and FYE and just I would flip through the CDs and whatever looked cool, I would buy and like the keepers of the faith album art was like it's so simple but it caught my attention right away like you can't you can't not look at that and just be like what the hell is this
0: and it's and a then for, sick for album a band to be
1: called terror too like
0: what, what an album to start off with terror though i mean you know i i'm a, i'm in my mid 30s so i remember kind of when they first burst on but they kind of you know they'll they'll admit there was a couple albums in there that weren't you know, outstanding. They are still really, really good. But Keepers, what an album to really kind of discover as your first hardcore album. I think that's just, that's a great fucking place to start.
1: Oh, yeah, no. And, like, at first, I you know, like I said, I just bought it because it looked cool. I thought Terror was, like, a crazy band name. I was like, this is <laughs> going to be sick. And uh, I, uh, I didn't understand it at first, man, but, like, you know, it was one of those things that it was just, like, eventually I started listening to it more, and then, like, you start questioning. You're just like, man, why do I like this? I didn't like this at first. And then you start like understanding it a little bit more. And then, like, you know, there was a couple of guys from here that like got into hardcore before us. And like, I remember one of my friends. Uh, he, I was in the car with him, and he started playing Bitter End one day. Oof. And it was it was the Climate of Fear record, like one of, one of my favorite hardcore albums of all time. And I was like, you know, that was that was a pivotal record for me. And then he kind of showed me or like he and like the Internet kind of showed me like backtrack and like the incendiary split with the suburban scum was like a big deal. Mm. And then Zabalvo, Zabalvo was a really big deal to like our friend group. So like, I don't know, it was just like you start you start building off of like a simple foundation and you start to figure out that it's like, oh, okay, this is this is like the coolest thing in the world.
0: Yeah. And you deep dive, you go down the rabbit hole. Um, and what you oh, find yeah. is amazing. Um, when you guys started out, you know, as you said, you kind of kind of picked and pieced together in a way. Um, you kind of started out with a demo. Was the demo just an essential way for you guys to start playing shows because you're saying you're coming from a small town. Um, what was it like trying to get shows? Was it a really hard work to get on a show? Or was the demo really vital in that, you know, you'd say, I want to play the show and you can go, this is what we sound like.
1: So, um, so like when I was in high school, there was a guy that booked shows here. Um, and you know, he booked like some of like the metalcore shows and sprinkled in like hardcore shows here and there. And there was like a few gyms. Like I remember like foundation came here once, which was insane. Ooh. And yeah. And like, cause like, you know, it's like Lubbock is not like a, it's not it's like a small it's like a small big city Mm -hmm. um but there's just not a lot of people that are into like heavy music so like it was like there were shows there and we were like yeah we can start this and try to play like a show here or there so we actually started playing shows before um before we even recorded the demo um yeah, just because we were just like, yeah, we're just doing this for fun. Let's play shows. Our first show was actually uh in 2013 and it was with Cross Me. And um like that was like that kind of set the tone and like when we when we played a bunch of our friends were like, yo, like this is sick. Like you guys should do this. And um you know, at, after a few months we were like, okay, well, I guess we got to record these songs. And you know, since me, Israel, and Austin, we're all the same age and we kind of like were of the mentality of just like, oh, well, we'll just do it like the cheapest option we can and like it'll be fine or whatever. But our bassist – or he's now our guitarist, uh, but th- then he was our bassist. We were a four-piece. His name's Kyle. He's a few years older than us and he was just like, no, like if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. Like start looking up people you want to work on this and we'll do it. So – you know, we, we like I said, like, we, we by then we were already really invested in, like, a bunch of the Texas hardcore bands. And, like, so we found this guy, Daniel Schmuck, who's based out of Dallas. And we found out that he did uh, all of, like, Power Trip's early stuff with our Armageddon Blues and stuff Ooh. like that. And uh, he, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band out of Dallas called Vulgar Display.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, they, he did all of their stuff. He was in that band. Oh. And so... We we literally just sent him an email and like some recordings we made off of our phone, sitting in another room while we were practicing, and we we're just like, "Hey, like we're a band out of Lubbock. Do you want to record us?" And he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we traveled down to Argyle where he's based, and uh, we recorded the demo, and that was it, pretty much.
0: How did the demo go for you? Because it was a two year gap from the demo to the Axis of Equality, and was it a really exciting time for you guys? Were you kind of building or was it still really slow build for you guys? Was those two years kind of still a bit hard for you guys to get off the ground?
1: Um, It was, I'd say it was like, it was a slow build um, just because, you know, like it, it, at that stage we weren't like, like we, you know, we still kind of are in this mindset, but like, you know, it, it's like, not, like I said, no heavy band has ever come out of Lubbock. So we're just like, we're gonna do this this way because we like it. And if anybody cares, that's cool. But like, we're proud of it, so that's fine, mm. e- even if it bombs. So like, we uh, like we we did it. We played like a couple of shows in uh, 2014 around Texas. Like we got invited to uh, because like we had a bunch of mutual friends with this guy in Laredo uh, named George, and he books a fest every year called Hard Times Fest. And, uh, we got invited to play that and we're just like, Oh, well then let's do a couple of shows around that. So that was in the summer of 2014. And we were really just like, you know, we, we, we jumped on a few shows with our friends in Ivy league who are like two hours South of us. That's where they're from. So we jumped on a few shows with them and it it went, it went pretty well, but like, you know, we, we were still of the thought of just like, eh, well, this is just for fun. So this is just kind of cool. So
0: so was there a moment that it all switched for you guys that kind of, you know, it's, you obviously have to have fun the whole time. But is there, was there a moment when you guys switched and went, actually, we maybe could really do something here. We could actually, you know, put out some more stuff. We could, you know, possibly tour Europe because, you know, you've done that and all of that stuff. Was, Was there that aha moment of this isn't just fun now, we can actually do this?
1: I think that that kind of happened after we released Access of Equality, and we so like our first out of state tour was we uh, what what's called LDB Fest now we played in twenty six or er, twenty sixteen
3: mm-hmm. like
1: right after we released Axis of Equality I think literally a month to the day after, and so we got invited to play that we did like a like a a week run and like it went really well so we were just like hmm. Like, I guess people kind of like this, so I guess we should probably, like, pick it up a little bit more. And, like, we kind of had a discussion, because, like, at the time, like, me and our our bassist Kyle, we were booking shows in Lubbock just so Judiciary would have shows to play. And, uh, like, we, like, at that time, we kind of had to make the decision. It's like, okay, we're losing money out of our own pockets booking these shows for Judiciary to play we could slow down on booking here in Lubbock so that we can put more of our money and effort into building judiciary, or we can keep on doing what we're doing and take the chance on it still on it, staying stagnant. You know what I mean? Mm. So we kind of made the decision to, you know, slow down what we were doing here and kind of put more of our effort and focus into going more places with judiciary. Mm. And yeah, from there it was just building off and building off and seeing what happened next.
0: Well, that, that, that axis of equality was how I dis- heard you guys. It's how I discovered you guys. And it was through, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's quite funny. Social media can be really useful. It can be really bad. Um, it, it's, you know, double-edged sword. And that's how I discovered you guys. Um, that really, it felt like a launch pad. Um, but I think another launch pad for you guys was joining closed casket activities. Um, how did the link up come about? Was it something that was a dream for you guys because that that label I think some people now recognize is quite essential in the hardcore scene um and it's become a very strong label for the artists like yourselves and you know Incendiary and everything that's on there
1: uh yeah yeah, I mean like so the way that came about was literally like we. We had the LP written. We had demos recorded, and we had already talked to Taylor, Taylor Young from Nails and Twitching Tongues. Uh, he he mixed Axis of Equality and our split with Mortality Rate. So we were like, okay, for the LP, we're gonna go to California and record with him off of our own money. And we, you know, we went and recorded, and like he, I remember we were in the studio, and he asked us, he was like, hey, like, is anybody putting this out? And we we're like no not not right now like we're we're trying to see trying to see if like we can send it to anybody and see if anything could happen but if if not we were fully prepared to just self-release it ourselves because that's what we did from day one so we uh you know we we were sitting there i had already emailed closed casket just to see if there was any interest and i got nothing back and uh then we were sitting there and i remember taylor was like hey i'm sending he texted me after we left and was like I'm sending Justin the record. Justin, the who runs Close Casket. I'm sending Justin the record. I feel like he'll be really interested in this, and we'll, like we'll see what happens. And then, like a few weeks later, uh, me and Austin got a, got on a call with Justin, and like uh, basically confirmed everything. And it was it was wild because, like I said, like some of the first like hardcore that I listened to were like Close Casket releases. Like the Incendiary Suburban Scum split was like really important. Like, I remember the first time I, I listened to God's Country by Incendiary. It blew my mind. And, uh, like, that's still to this day one of my favorite, har- my favorite, like, hardcore band and one of my favorite hardcore songs. And then, like, Harm's Way and their album Isolation, that was a closed casket release. And then, like, Twitching Tongues and Love There Was No Law. Like, it was it was, like, I could go on and on about the releases that he's done and, like, say how important to, like, us and, like, you know hardcore in general they were but like you know it was always like my first choice was going to them because i felt like we fit on that label mm. and i felt like we I, that was just what i wanted from the start and like you know like just to have the chance and him to ch- take a chance on us is like the craziest thing in the world to, me. to be a part of that roster especially you know being a band from where we're from like that just that shit doesn't happen often
0: no, and I think uh, I think also it's good to hear that you guys weren't you weren't reliant on having a link up with a label. You got a link up with a label and it just happened to be an awesome label and perfect fit. Um but obviously you guys have always been of the mentality that you can do it on your own and if you work hard at it you can achieve it.
1: Yeah, man, like like I said, like you know, being being from here like we've always had it kind of instilled in our brain still to this day it's just like it's kind of it's almost self-depreciating but i feel like it, it motivates us even more to just get get things done um but it's always just like we're a band from lubbock texas nobody cares about us and nobody's gonna give us no nobody's just gonna hand us stuff so we're gonna make this into something cool and if people like it, that's cool. If not, that's cool too. So like, you know, it, that's just kind of the mentality we've always had from the start. So like, we went from that. Like when we went into that into record the LP, we were fully prepared to just do it ourselves again and see what happened.
0: Now that that LP, Surface Noise, which came out the start of this year, um, it seems like last year and this year, kind of. I think if people didn't know who you were, they know who you are now. Um, What's the reaction been like to surface noise? Has it been gratifying or has it been in a way shocking?
1: Um, I'd say both, man. Like, you know, some of like the little things here and there surprised me. Like, obviously, I feel like, you know, like I I feel like we deserve it. And Mm. I feel like we've worked. We've put in the work and the elbow grease to be like, you know okay this feels right but at the same time like i said we still have that nobody gives a fuck about us mentality so seeing like like people that we kind of look up to saying like oh this is awesome like and then it's like you know getting to play with bands that we look up to and just being like yeah you guys rule all this stuff like you know it's just like it's very gratifying to see that people are appreciative of what we've done and you know give us the opportunities that we've been given Like you know going to Europe last year We're leaving to Europe again next month Like I never thought that I would make it overseas Especially with like a band That for, for, for a band You know mm-hmm. what I mean like That's insane to me so the fact that we've been to, Been able to do it twice and like People take the chance on us is like Unbelievable and now that the record's out It's like it's coming More and more and more and it, like, it's like it's pretty, it's pretty wild to me I guess is what I'm trying to say
0: yeah the momentum is is epic. It's really good to see the momentum for you guys um you know, like you said, you've been to Europe, you're going back you know you're played sound and fury um it it seems like the momentum's shifted in a really good way. but with that momentum, does there in the current climate of music, does there come any pressure because do you feel like you can ride out this album cycle for a year or two, or is it going to be, look, we're going to do this for six months and then we got to get something out again? Because what I'm trying to say is nowadays people want music all the time, and if you're not mm-hmm. always touring or if you're not always giving them something, is there the worry that you're going to get forgotten about?
1: I think that that thought's always in the back of our heads, but I feel like we've struck like a good balance between you know, being gone most of the year and kind of keeping ourselves relevant somehow. Mm. Like, I don't really understand it at times, but it's worked for us. (laughs) And, uh, like I, uh, you know, like I, I, I feel the pressure of just like, oh, we kind of, we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like I think that we work at a good pace and I think that we, we know how each other function and what we can and what we can't do. And you know we 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 started writing music like new new music before the LP even came out. Ooh. So like we're 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 always trying to like keep ourselves fresh and like you know. But there's no like okay we have to tour for a year and then we have to do this and then we have to do that. It's more so just like a uh, let the chips fall where they may kind of thing, mm. and we'll we'll go from there.
0: Well, I think also something that you know, I think is pretty rare in the hardcore style is you guys really cross every style of hardcore. I mean, you, you're not just, um, a straight up hardcore band. I mean, some people could say maybe you're more on the thrashier side of a band. It's, that's probably also something that's helping keep you guys in a way relevant is maybe the phrase is you can drop on any bill, um, at any slot and you'll work on the night.
1: Yeah. I think that that's something that like was kind of unintentional. Like we never, we've never been like the people to go into writing and just be like, okay, like we're going to, this is going to be a a thrash song. This is going to be this song. Like we, I want to encapsulate this so we can fit on all bills. Like it's never been like that. It's more so just like, we're just a bunch of idiots who like a bunch of different music and we're just going to try to give all of our ideas that we can and mush them together as best as we can. Because it's like, you know, like all of us are really into death metal and like all of us are like really into like older thrash and modern hardcore, New York hardcore. So it's like, it, it just kind of naturally happens that way. And like, I think that not putting a box around us and just being like, you know, like I never want to be the band to where we're writing a part that we like and then go, Oh wait, but that's like too thrashy mm. or that's too this or too that. It's like, no, f- like, like, fuck that. We're, we're going to do what we like, and if people like it, that's that's cool. Like, I I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel contrived. It's not like you guys are – you can hear that you're not going, okay, now we need a thrashy moment. Um, it's just – it feels like it just ebb and flows and just comes natural. Um, and I think that's why so many people are into it, um, well, especially myself, um, is I can get everything I want out of it, um, and it doesn't feel like it's been force-fed to me.
1: That's awesome, man. That's like, that's, that's very, very cool to hear.
0: Now you've mentioned going back to Europe. So the albums just come out at the start of the year. So is it a big year ahead for you guys? Is it going to be lots of touring? Is it, you know, is it really pedal to the metal for shows this year being that the album's um, come out?
1: Um, Like we're, you know, uh, like I said, we try not to, we try to tour smart and not hard. Because we try not to overstay our welcome and like, you know, we, like we do have a bunch of stuff lined up for this year, but I feel like it's, I feel like we're not forcing anything and we're not like playing to the same crowd three times within like a few months of each other. You know what I mean? Like we never want to be the band to tour just for the sake of touring. Like we want to tour with a purpose and like, like, you know, make it, make it meaningful. And everything like that. Because, like, you know, there's a very fine line between touring just to say you're touring and touring because you need to tour. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that that's something that everyone needs to start being smart about because I think you've said it perfectly. Some people don't go to shows because they're like, well, I know I'm going to see this band in a month's time on their seventh tour this year through the city.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I like, you know, as much as i would love to like travel all the time and like do this you know like tour all the time it's just like you know like i like i said i don't want people to get sick of us and i don't want to burn us out on you know because you know i think when you i i listened to uh your, your interview with riley and like you know y- you get burnt out after a while they tour way much th- like way more than we do and like I can't imagine the kind of like toll it takes on them, like physically and personal, like personally between like relationships and just like your health and everything like that. Like, you know, this like touring, a, touring takes a toll on you. And like that's like another thing to think about. It's just like, you know, I don't I I don't know if I can like we, we can all five sustainably do that for right now, like for that long. Of a period of time so that's another thing to think about sorry if i'm rambling i kind of went
0: no. There. no not at all I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head i think you know like riley was someone that when i spoke to him was saying it you know and i got the opportunity to have vogel on the the podcast as well and something that they kind of emphasized is that sometimes unfortunately bands get stuck in that they have to play all the time And then that has ripple effects where it affects the band members, it affects their lives outside of it. Um, And then it also has a ripple effect where it becomes expected by the fan base. So people expect them always out on the road. They expect them to tour constantly. Um, And eventually that will wear everyone down to, you know, they get to the point with maybe do I really want to do this anymore? And clearly you guys are smart about it because you still want to have fun with it.
1: Yeah, no, like I, I think that that's that's a really good way to put it. Like, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I honestly like touring. It is rough, but like I, I think it's cool that I have the opportunity to travel to all these different places and people are coming to listen to music that like we wrote and everything. That's the coolest thing in the world. But I also don't want people to be like, I, I also, I, I also just don't want people to get tired of seeing me all the time like you know what i mean like (laughs) i i think that like i i think that that's like something that's lost on some bands sometimes it's like you don't always have to be out and you just always have to make yourselves interesting i guess is what i'm trying to say and memorable
0: yeah fuck yeah yeah
1: if you put your like 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 for instance like we did like a record release tour last month and we covered the full u.s relatively full u.s in two and a half weeks And we, we did like a bunch of hell drives, like overnight 11 hour drives, just so we could get as much ground and as little time possible as we could, because we have personal commitments. Like our drummer got married two weeks ago. Like that was something we, you know, that's something we have to think about. And like, you know, we all have jobs that we have to think about and everything like that. So it's like, you know, I think that like, we kind of made it special and did as much as we could without hindering our abilities to have a life at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fuck. Yeah. You, you're just a smart band for, for a young band, a smart band. Um, wanted to talk about a few things near the end of our chat that it's like as a band who seems to really sell it looks from an outside that you sell a lot of vinyl. Um, you know, is that something that you guys are very, um, focused on is that you know with streaming not giving you an income or really a revenue um that merch and cds and vinyls are important to you guys and important to hardcore fans because hardcore fans love fucking vinyl they love them Uh so is it something you guys focus on or is it just by chance that you guys really push and sell that kind of stuff
1: i think it's like i think it's kind of half and half with what you're saying because it's like something that we we obviously like take a lot of focus in but you know like as as much as i like hate to say this it's like yeah another call back to to the interview with riley like he said it best it's like we're traveling t-shirt salesmen (laughs) like like you know the t-shirts are what like you know like we really try to push to try to make it a sustainable thing and keep us alive while we're you know traveling and like do it doing a good job at home but Records kind of come by chance, but we also try to push them as much as we can. You know, like we, like like when we we sell, like I said, we self released the Access of Equality, and we got like 500 records made, and uh, that was a lot for us to push out, and it took a long time because we didn't have a a, a proper record release like we did with Closed Casket and distribution or anything like that. So, like. We've never put all of our eggs into the vinyl basket, but it's definitely worked out in our favor, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It also seems like you're not one of those bands, which I don't mean ill on any band that does. I find it very strange when people are celebrating that they've had several thousand streams of a song or an album. Um, I can understand why bands get excited about it because it means, well, clearly people are listening to you on that streaming service, but I think... Personally, I don't think we should celebrate the amount of streams you get because you're getting fucking 0.00001 cents per listen. It's not something to celebrate. Um, Hardcore seems to be the kind of avenue where you are t-shirt salesmen, where you are vinyl salesmen. And it seems like, do you think people forget that, you know, being in a band is about unfortunately you still need to make some money do you think sometimes people in 2019 forget that that they're just more focused on look i can get this real quick on my phone fuck buying it in vinyl form
1: see uh, i i i think if i'm being honest i like to me as like just a fan of music and like a kid that just like you know a, a guy from the middle of fucking nowhere that discovered all this shit through like like streaming and youtube and all that stuff like i honestly like i love seeing like our streaming numbers i think it's i think it's crazy i don't really care like how much money we're making off those streams because it's just like people are listening that's fucking cool i say it on stage all the time it's like you know if you stream it if you buy it if you steal it off of like a uh, fucking media fire or whatever like that's cool to me like as long as it's, you're listening but at the same time like you kind of do have to think about like you know we do need money to keep this functioning and i think that like people should think about that cuz there's like a weird stigma of, like especially with like hardcore that it's like you know like it's almost like an unspoken thing that it's like you should you shouldn't be able to make money off of this it, i don't know how yeah, to explain it but i no, feel like yeah. you get what i mean it's weird like like but how do you expect how do you expect your favorite band to go play across the country in your city or like fly across the world to go play? Like, you know, you need capital to do that. You can't like, they can't, you know, they're like, no, like very few people are paying the bills off this shit. So like, you know, like at least like invest some of your money so you can bring those bands back and they're able to do this shit. And like, you know, they're able to buy plane tickets to go, to Europe and, you know, Australia or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I it think is. it's important. I think it's important that people uh, see the other side of it because sometimes people, people, people almost don't see that there's like, you know, there's five or six human beings that are trying to function and, you know, do all this stuff. But at the same time, it requires resources.
0: Yeah. And it is, like you said, with hardcore, it's really strange that, you know, it's probably one of the very few genres in the heavy scene where if you start making money um, and start being a bit successful that you get branded a sellout. It's kind of, you're not allowed to make money. You're not allowed to be successful. You've always got to be underground. There's kind of, it's a really weird mentality that goes on in the scene.
1: Yeah. But I, I think that I like at some point, any your at some point your favorite band has sold out in some way by some definition you know what I mean yes like and I think that like the term sellout is just like so played out and corny it's like I think that like you know it bands if, if you, bands should be able to live and function and eat and be able to pay their bills on tour like that's that's natural but at the same time I I do get the 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 almost like like you know, you don't always always see the humanity behind it, and you're kind of like, as a fan, sometimes you're selfish in a way. It's just like I want to see this, and I want, I I, I need them here now, kind of thing. I've I've been there too. But yeah,
0: like, we all have. I think I think that's part of it that we need to all admit we have done that. We have unfortunately probably done that. One thing I've got to ask with, you know, bands like yourselves, Incendiary. Um, a lot of hardcore bands, part of it is, used to be, and still is in some ways, about having a message um, and an impact. Um, do you think hardcore still has the same impact that it used to, or do you think hardcore is just kind of a thing now? It doesn't need an impact. It can just be it's the, itself.
1: Um, I think that, like personally you know i wasn't around when like you know a bunch of like the shit was like really like cultivating and had a strong message with like the earth crises, like like earth crisis like like vegan straight edge being like just Mm. starting and really being passionate and like you know chromax new york hardcore era type stuff to where it was like it really had like a a real big it was like a movement yeah so on one hand, I can't say that it's like I can't really give an answer on that. But at the same time, I think that like bands still do have a lot to say. And some bands are just, you know, good because they don't have a lot to say and their music is just good. I like that, too. You know, like like I, I like for instance, like I love Cannibal Corpse, but I'm not like writing on their lyrics as like some sort of like movement. I I think it's, just you know, like I'm not I'm not I'm not you know like I think that some like there's a there's a place for like you know I I, like the message was a big part of what I was attracted to when I first started getting into hardcore you know like like incendiary like like the the lyrics to God's country resonate with me super well because of like the frustrations that I had growing up in the middle of the Bible Belt in West Texas in a heavy conservative like place and I think that shows through my lyrics in Judiciary like with my frustrations and, like, I try to be purposeful in what I say. But at the same time, I think that, like, I think that music can be good just because it's good, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Uh, But then a side question with what you said, you know, with your lyrics is do you feel pressure to say something? Like, is there a pressure for you to say something? Are you setting yourself a bar to achieve all the time now? You know, can, can you... Throw out a song that isn't got meaning and purpose behind it. Is that a worry for you? It's a bit of a weird question, I think. But.
1: Uh, I, th- I think I know what you're saying. I, I it, to to put it as best as I can, I guess I don't necessarily feel like the pressure of like you know, like I of like I don't necessarily feel the pressure of just like oh well uh, you know I have to do this and I have to do that. I think that when I write, it's just naturally like my thoughts. I'm never gonna like, you know, I like I have written songs like with like you know that aren't like my own frustrations and like personal struggles and stories. Like me and a couple of the guys in judiciary have a death metal band called Terror Chamber. Yes, and uh, <laughs> like the uh, the uh, lyrics to that, like I literally talk about like torture devices and stuff like that. So that's like an out that's like an outlet to, for me to kind of be like fantasized and everything. But with judiciary, I think it just naturally comes to be like how I, my eye view of the world and my message and what I want to bring to the table. Because like, I think that we're all in agreement that like lyrically and message wise, we just want to be almost, we want to be like anti- Anti West Texas mentality, I guess, is the best way to put it. Because hmm. you know, like it's like this place has a bubble around it, and it's like there's a lot of bullshit that's fed from you, uh, fed to you from birth, and we almost want to, we just want to be an aggressive version of, no fuck that, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, perfectly answered, man. Um, kind of one or two last questions, and then we'll look to wrap things up. And um, one kind of goes back into that lyric thing do you find lyrics easy to do is it something that you can just sit down focus on and you achieve it or is it something that takes a bit of effort takes a few edits takes some goes at
1: oh i'm a i'm a fucking basket case when it comes to writing lyrics (laughs) uh i like it's very erratic and i'll have random spurts of like like i can never just sit down and say i'm going to write a song today like I, I have to just be like, okay, Oh, that, that's kind of a cool thing that that could go here that, Oh, that's kind of a cool idea. It's just like random here and there. Like for example, uh, the, our song pure fury. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story behind how I wrote that song, I tell it all the time cause it's, it's ridiculous, but it's true. So there was one night I was like trying to, uh, I was trying to write that song. I was listening to the demos of the song and everything. And I was just like, Okay. I wrote like the first two lines and then I just couldn't think of anything. So I went to sleep at like midnight that night and then I woke up at three thirty in the morning, grabbed my phone and wrote the rest of the song and went back to sleep. What? And and then I woke up the next day and I read it and I, I think I corrected like one or two things and I was like, I think that's good. Fuck. Like it's we I don't understand it like and at it's 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 a weird thing to say but it's just like my my brain just works that way and it's just kind of like a a time when the time and place is right it kind of comes out kind of thing
0: fuck yeah and that that, that's a sick song too by the way pure fury and thank you uh love temple as well karma's knife fuck yeah surface noise like yeah um (laughs) enough of me uh enough of me building up your ego let's um get on to the last question last couple of questions (laughs) um one thing I, uh, you know, because Australia, we haven't have the, had the chance to really watch you guys live yet, but something I've noticed on YouTube whenever I go and check out your guys' live footage, you guys seem to really get the crowd going. And what I mean by that is you guys have a lot of stage dives going on, mic grabs, uh, the pits going off. Is that something that just kind of spawns out, or is it something you encourage? And then what do you say to people that say that? mosh pits are a dangerous environment
1: um i mean i think that like you know with what we try to do live is like embody as much energy as our music sounds like we think our music sounds like it does so it's like you know if if you're if you don't look like you're having fun on stage then you're probably not gonna have a good show so like (laughs) yeah because like the crowd the crowd follows suit with bands and like if you look bored up there the crowd's probably gonna be bored too so like you know, and I like our music, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm I'm gonna you know, especially when we're on tour. I'm I'm in a van for like eight hours at a time and I only have twenty minutes to really go all out for the whole day, so I'm gonna do it. So like I uh no, I think that like as far as like moshing goes, it's like it's definitely something I encourage. Like I I love seeing people mosh to our music and stage dive and grabbing the mic. Like I <laughs> on the last tour I got the shit beat out of me just from people like grabbing the mic and moshing on me and stuff like that. But it was, it was cool. So like, I, uh, like, you know, I encourage it, but at the same time, you know, I, I get why people would say that like, Oh, moshing is like a dangerous activity, but it's like, you know, it, it, it's kind of the point. Like Mm. (laughs) I, 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 think that like with how aggressive the music is, like there's gotta be some sort of, uh, interaction and like expression of that aggression. You know, every genre has something with it that does it. Like, people go to country shows and two-step to it. <laughs> people go to people go to EDM shows and, like, dance their asses off. When you go to a hardcore show, people are going to mosh. And if you don't want to mosh, that's cool, too. Just, like, you know, it, don't be surprised when, you know, people are moshing. And, like, obviously, like, crowd killing and stuff like that is a whole other discussion. But, you know, like, I think that it just comes as part of the territory. And I think it's... It's part of the culture that I, you know, I was super drawn to, like at first, because I, you know, like I said, I liked the energy. I thought it was cool, and I think that without stage dives and moshing and people grabbing the mic, it's just, it's just not the same genre. It doesn't have the, the. um I guess energy is a good way to put it like as as I think it does.
0: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, perfectly answered. I think it really would be weird if you went to a a metal show or a hardcore show and everyone was just standing still. I think you'd kind of go, what's wrong here? Not that some crowds do, you know, they always some people in the crowd always cross their arms and don't move, but yeah. The, it is always good to see that energy because that energy then kind of rubs off on you and then you get excited and then it's and also part of the music is not only for the band but for the people that go is to get out all that frustration that energy that they've had a shit day at work they've had a shit week you know they're whatever it is it's their moment to just feel free and feel in the moment it sounds very very hippie but it really does
1: oh yeah no i mean it's a, it's a release like a like 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 I said, like, every genre, it's, like, if people go to a concert, they're, like, they're going to have a good time. And, you know, moshing is, like, part of the hardcore culture. Just like I said, country music, people go in two-step and drink beer. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, it's the same kind of idea, just in a different headspace. And it's, it's, you know, it's fine. And I, like I said, like, I understand why people would be kind of, like, put off to it. But at the same time, it's, like, it comes with the territory so you should, you should probably get familiar with it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and if you don't like the heat get out of the kitchen is the other phrase. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. There's there's plenty of, there a lot of the time there's plenty of room in the venue for you to, you know, just enjoy the show.
0: Um one last question before we look to wrap things up and this one you can go as deep as you want or as not. And anyone that knows your music knows that, you know, you say something. Um and I wondered just in a nutshell, what do you see the state of humanity? Do you do you think we're uh, going backwards? Do you think we're going forwards, or do you think we're just lost as as humans? Very deep Man, question. Very deep. That's
1: question. a that's a that's a question. Um, <laughs> I'd, uh I mean, I I'd say as almost as vague as it sounds, like. I think that humanity is going forward in some places, in a lot of places really, but at the same time, there's still so much, so many fucked up things that happen in the world. You know, like not even just in America, but like internationally, like I saw that, oh God, I forgot where, where it was, but there was like a law just passed that like, I don't know if it was, I think it was like homosexuality was punishable by stoning to death.
3: Oh my God.
1: I I think that's what it was and it's like that's like a real thing in 2019 you know like Mm -hmm. crazy crazy to think about like that that's happening you know like in this year like way down the line it's like you know what like what century is this but at the same time it's like I'm not surprised because like you know I'm from I'm like I said I'm from West Texas and I've been around this for like a long like I've been around like the backwards mentality for a long time and it like you know, it, it really like it's it's really disheartening to see that some people just don't have like general compassion for other people, mm. and uh, you know don't see don't see from other sides of the spectrum. Like, you know, in, in I guess like one example I could put it is just like how I where I grew up in the issue issue of homosexuality here. Like, it's still pretty like pretty stigmatized here if you're like a homosexual and you live here and like you know like I have I have a bunch of friends that literally just can't be can't be the way they want to be in public because of like what people think of them and their partner if they were and I think that that's just up. terrible yeah. and like you know what I mean like,
0: do you ever get embarrassed and it sounds weird to ask is do you ever get embarrassed to be American you know when you go to parts of Europe are you and do they
1: oh god Yes, man, like especially with our current like like president and mm. the like our current like just the, the 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 Donald Trump administration makes me embarrassed to be an American at a lot of like points of the spectrum just because like you know, like it's not like there like I said, there's not just general compassion for people and uh like like for like you know there's just like so much backwards thinking and you know it's just embarrassing like like for instance like donald trump going abroad and like you know saying like disrespecting like leaders in like the most ignorant way possible and some of the shit he says and then like the laws that they try to pass it's like yeah it is embarrassing but i think that if as an american in our democratic society that we have like I think that like using your voice is important. I say it on stage all the time. Like, I I think that like like if you don't like something, we live in a country where you you kind of have the power to have a say in it. Mm. So you need to do it. And I tried to stress like when when midterms were around, we were on tour. Like midterm elections were around, we were on tour. And I tried to stress like you know a lot. Like some bands don't say, not trying to like be up on a soapbox or anything like that, but it's like it is important to vote because I don't want these fucking people controlling the country and embarrassing us even more and affecting people that, you know, shouldn't be affected by this stuff. I don't know. I kind of rambled on there, but I think... No, it
0: it makes sense. It's it's kind of... It's good that you're telling people they need to vote, because I think that's the craziest thing. When I heard that the reason Trump got into power was people went, well, I don't like either party, I'm not going to vote. It's like, well, look what you fucking did. Because you didn't go out and vote, this is a person that's in. You have the power to do something, but you have to do something. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, like in, in the 2016 election, like you know, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, like both okay. sides hated. Like you, you know, it, like 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 I said, like Hillary wasn't the right candidate, no. but at the same time, I would much rather have Hillary over Donald Trump any day. But at the same, like. I think that there's like also a blind eye of just like this huge underbelly of people who weren't afraid to support some of their shitty views out in the open that will go out and vote for Donald Trump because he makes it like his administration makes it okay to think that. And I think that that's very apparent. Like obviously sometimes it's kind of sensationalized in the news, but like the make American great, make America great again hats like that are floating around and like kind of like, the hateful message behind that symbolism and then like white nationalist uh movements being like out in the open in public like you know if you give if you give that kind of shit a platform it's gonna reap it's Mm. gonna reap its consequences you know what i mean
0: yeah it's scary i mean hopefully you know uh, hopefully the next election things turn around and hopefully um people stop looking at American go look what you did you put this guy in charge um
1: oh yeah no I I think that like especially as like a young like I'm I'm 23 years old and like as as like a younger person like I think
3: that
1: I it's almost like obviously I never wanted this to happen but it's almost like it's almost like a necessary evil that gave people a kick in the ass to kind of care especially Mm. people my age to like kind of care about politics because it's like you know, the older people are going out to vote. They never stopped voting, but we never really started until now. And I think that the mid, like the midterm election showed me that because when I went to the polls to vote for the Senate race, like it was half and half young people and older people, yeah. which is crazy. Like, because when I voted before, it wasn't like that. It was all older people and me. Not Again, not trying to be up on the soapbox, but I, I think it's just cool to see that it's like, okay, well, now we kind of know the... Uh, the effects of what we can happen if we don't use our power for what we actually want. So let's put as good use kind of thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you have to go to the, the depths of, you know, bad to figure out, you know, how good you had it or how good it can be. Um, Oh yeah. Right. Jake, we're going to liven this ending up with my favorite segment. Um, a lot of people, just rant and rave that this is all they want to hear, but no, they're not just getting this segment. It's called um, Pick Your Poison. So all right. what we're going to do is we're going to kind of tap into that psyche and we're going to figure out if you had two choices and you could only pick one, what really would you like in life? Okay? All right, let's do it. Okay. Pizza or burger? <laughs>
1: I'm gonna say I'm gonna say burger because you can kind of flip the word burger a few ways. So,
0: ooh, okay. Uh, Chinese food or Indian food?
1: Indian food every time.
0: Okay, chicken or beef?
1: Uh, chicken.
0: Uh, a beer or a whiskey?
1: Uh, I'm straight edge, so I'll say Dr Pepper.
0: Hey, fuck yeah! Ooh, Dr Pepper. Mm, nice. Yeah, that, um,
1: that's. That's my vice every time.
0: Hey, mad respect there, dude. Mad respect. Um, cooking at home or dining out?
1: Uh, on paper, I want to say cooking at home, but I'm lazy as shit, so dining out.
0: <laughs> uh, go to the movies or sit at home and watch it on the couch?
1: Um, again, I want to say I, I, want, I go to the movies, but I don't really go to the movies that often, so I'll say sit at home and watch it on the couch.
0: Uh, beach or snow uh
1: i like cold weather more but i'll say beach just because i've been stuck in the snow too many times
0: (laughs) uh skateboard or rollerblade skateboard uh ps4 or xbox uh
1: ps4 just because i have one i used to be an xbox guy but i got a ps4 and I, i i love it
0: uh cat or dog
1: Dog every time.
0: Yes, good, good answer. Yeah, um, yeah
1: I, have the, I have, I have, I have the best dog in the world, so I have to say dog. Uh,
0: would you go Batman or Superman?
1: Uh, Superman's fine, but I, I, Batman's definitely the cooler character. I think because Superman's just like a, an alien, and Batman's just like a dude that was really angry. So,
0: <laughs> uh, what about Wolverine or Deadpool?
1: Man, I'll say I'll say Deadpool, but with like the preface of just like I hate like the the fedora humor that he kind of puts off sometimes. Mm. But I think he's like a cool character, so I'll say Deadpool.
0: Uh, Rambo or Rocky?
1: Rambo, for sure.
0: Uh, Freddy or Jason?
1: <sighs> I'm gonna say Jason because he's just real up front. Like he doesn't have to go into your dreams.
0: Yeah, I like the mask as well. It's just pretty... Yeah, no. Yeah. He
1: looks... I mean, they both look terrifying, but, like, Jason's, like, huge and just, like, with... Uh, God. Uh, I don't know. He's just cooler. He, he's cooler to me. Uh,
0: Terminator or Predator?
1: I'll say Predator.
0: Uh, MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? <laughs> uh,
1: um... <laughs> uh, uh, I, I guess I'll have to say Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> even though I, I, res, I respect MacGyver, but like I can't, I can't bet against uh, bet against Chuck.
0: No, so. n- no one can. He is God, yeah. they say. Um, South Park or Simpsons?
1: Simpsons. That's my favorite show of all time.
0: All right, some music ones: Slayer or Pantera?
1: Oh God. Um. I'm gonna edge Slayer over Pantera because I feel like I I, I gravitate towards more of their material.
0: Terra or Madball? Ah,
1: uh, that's a good one. Um, I'll say Terra, but I love Madball. But I think I'm mostly just saying Terra because it was one of my first hardcore records. So, uh,
0: Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia Murder?
1: Well, Cannibal Corpse, easy.
0: Um, would you prefer to watch a show from the mosh pit or up the back behind the sound desk? Um,
1: I'll say, I'll say in the back, and I'll go up every now and then. I have asthma; I can't breathe very well. So,
0: um, would you prefer to tour or record?
1: Uh, tour Recor- recording just leaves, gives me a headache every time.
0: Would you prefer to own an album on your phone? On vinyl or on C D?
1: Um, I'll say on, on vinyl, but I think I own more cassettes than I do records. But we. records are cool. Yeah.
0: Um Jake, man, that was really fun. Really enjoyed it. Went a bit over time, but really appreciate you giving me all the all your time and effort and, and energy for the chat, man. Really, really appreciated it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a lot of fun. Thank you for asking me to be on here.
0: Um, and good luck with the rest of the year, man. And um, fucking love what you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing. And um, thanks again for taking time out for me and the show.
1: Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you. Thank you again for asking me to do this. It was a lot of fun.
0: So that was my chat with Jake from Judiciary and at the end there you also heard the band's tracks Social Crusade and Stronger Than Thou. Both of those are off the band's debut album called Surface Noise. Now guys if you haven't yet discovered that album get online, get down to your local record store, get onto eBay, get into that album. You will not be disappointed. As you also heard in that chat, the band also have an EP. Make sure you check that out as well. Thank you again, Jake. I really, really, really fucking appreciated you taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Look forward to hopefully seeing you guys play live in Australia soon, but also really excited to see where the band goes. Without a doubt, guys, I think this band is on your must-watch must pay attention list. They're definitely on mine. Thank you again, Jake. So that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 65. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this fucking week. Guys, if you're a first time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address which is themoshzone at gmail.com Get in touch guys, help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about, that is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pit.